the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. He's in studio with us and ready to take your phone calls. Good morning, Larry. Well, good morning, Chris, and how are you today? I'm excited about today, and I'm excited about that turkey dinner you're cooking for all of us. There you go, man. There you go. You know, licking my chops already, buddy. Yep. <laughs> well, we've got a special announcement on Thanksgiving Day coming up this week, Chris. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. I'm going to give out your home address, and we'll get the whole <laughs> listening audience to come on over to your place, right? Yeah, it might be a little bit dry for most folks, but yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. Happy Thanksgiving week. Boy, we have a lot to be thankful for living in this great nation, right? Amen. Family, friends, good health, absolutely. Praise the Lord, no doubt about it. Uh, well, you know, it's Saturday, right? What Amen. does that mean? Open, Open mic, mic Saturday, which I love. I love all the questions, definitely. Give us a ring this morning with any questions on the economy, mortgages, 401k plans, whatever's on your mind today, estate planning, taxes, insurance, 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Talk about mixed messages this past week. You know, what, is, what, what do people want in a relationship, right? What do they want? They want clarity, right? They want dependability. They want trust. They want to know what's going on, right? Love is in there, too, somewhere. You got to have Love, that. absolutely. That There you go. And what does Wall Street want? Wall Street wants clarity of direction, okay? And Not we so just got love. nothing but mixed messages going on all over the place. Let's break these down a little bit. You know, this past, you know, once the Fed pauses its interest rate cycle, which this past week, a lot of people are starting to say, hey, it's getting a lot closer, and it is. It is. The Fed meets December 12th and 13th, probably going to raise 50 basis points, and they meet January 31st and February 1st. Who knows if they're going to raise then or maybe raise 25 basis points, and they meet again in March. But at some point, they're going to pause. And that's what Wall Street's looking for. They're looking for clarity of direction. Because right now, as we've been talking for months, you know, there, there's no clarity. How high are rates going to be three months from now? We don't know. 
And that's what Wall Street needs is clarity of direction. And, and, and that's why we're getting mixed messages, too. The Fed's getting mixed messages. And they're delivering mixed messages from time to time when they go on their little talking sprees. <laughs> you know, this, this past week, the uh, uh, CBI Conference Board Index, you know, of leading economic indicators fell 0.8 in October. Okay, it was it was it was and, and, and September's reading was revised lower. So so the leading economic indicator index has been declining for the last nine out of 10 months, which is exactly what the Fed wants when you're trying to slow down the economy. But then at the same time, this past week, we got October retail sales, which were stronger than expected. The largest jump in eight months. So kudos to the to the consumer we're still out there spending money. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, you've got indications that things are slowing down in the economy, which will bring down inflation. And then on the other hand, you've got things saying, not so fast. The economy is still percolating along. The consumer is still showing up at the cash register, right? So who's going to win? How long this is this going to take? Eventually, the consumer will start to slow down as well, all right? We're starting to see more credit card debt arise now in the system, which is not good, okay? So so we are almost at the end of this cycle here. And then you take a look at, at, at home sales. Month over month in October declined 5.9%. Oh, yeah. In October sales of 2022 versus October sales of 2021, the largest decline since February of 08 is 28.4%. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and a home is the largest multiplying economic uh, uh, thing that we have in the economy when you buy a home look at all the things that go into it even when you buy a used home right you know how how does it uh you know just you get new dishwashers new carpeting new drapes all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. there's a very large multiplying effect inside the home so we are starting to see things slow down a little bit which is good this past week we had P- pmi uh, purchasing managers index that dropped as well that ignited the market again on tuesday this past week so we are seeing these slowdowns that the fed is trying to engineer uh, as far as all of that goes in, in slowing down the economy to bring down inflation let's welcome janet on the line from mississippi good morning janet how are you today oh i'm doing well thank you how can i help you Yes, so Janet, there, there's a lot, there's a lot packed into the question that you just asked. Let, let let's, let's sort of unpack it a little bit and, and, and take it in different segments. <clears throat> One is by putting your children's name on the home. Right now, if the home's in your name and your and your husband's name, and if something happens to both of you, then that property, if you both pass, then that property will go through probate, because there's no legal means to transfer that property to your children. Okay, so the court will declare where it goes, probably to your kids, but there'll be time delays, court costs, attorney's fees, things like that. In a lot of states, you can you can if you put your children's name on the the home, here's what happens. They could get an adverse tax treatment. 
for example, let's suppose you paid, I don't know, $300,000 for your house, and maybe today it's worth 800000 If you put your children's name on that home and then you and your husband pass, <clears throat> now they have this home valued at 800000 but since you put their name on it, they assume your original acquisition cost which is $300,000 in this example. So if they sold the home, they'd have to pay taxes on that $500,000 of growth. That's pretty big. Now, if you put the home into a title where it's you and your husband slash transfer on death, that means that if you both pass, your kids get the home valued at $800,000, they can turn around and sell it at $800,000 and not pay any tax on the gain, okay? Or you can put the home into a trust, and the same thing will happen. So so a lot of times we do, you know, it's not recommended that you put your kid's name on the house for a tax purposes. Second reason is if God forbid you're, you're, you put your, your children's name on the house and one of them gets uh, sued for a car accident or something. They could actually attach the value of that house because they legally own it. So you want to make sure that that protection's there. You want to make sure that the tax efficiency is there. But now that creates another problem because if something happens where you and your husband have to go into a nursing home like you just alluded to, the kids can't access the house. They can't sell the house. They can't do anything. So now what you want to do is give the kids power of attorney so that they can act on your financial assets on your behalf. So if you're both in a nursing home, then you can both come, then they can sell the property to take care of your needs for a nursing home. So it's a couple of different legal documents that you really want to get set up in order to transfer this uh, property effectively tax efficiently, timely, and at the same time protect yourself from a nursing home in, uh, uh, expense. So I kind of threw a lot at you there, but, but you asked a lot in, in the question, and I have some material that I can send out to you on this, okay? Okay, I would appreciate that. Uh, we do have a power of attorney, and our children are on it. We have a will, and, and everything goes to the children after us. So I guess, in essence, we have already taken care of that. Possibly. It sounds like it. Yeah. Just get with your attorney and review it and just say, hey, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Attorney, this is what I'm looking at uh, that I want to make sure that these documents that you provided us with accomplish just this. OK. That, thank you so much. I appreciate your help. That, I'll, I'll certainly do that. Yep. Let me put you on hold, Janet, and Bob will get some of your contact information and then we'll send you out. uh uh, uh, the the information on probate and, and transfers and things like that. Appreciate the phone call, and happy Thanksgiving. If you listen to Making Money Sense, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Bob on the line from Iowa. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Good morning, Larry. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Yes, sir. You too. I, uh, yes. Uh, this week, two of my sons who love deer hunting, and there's deer hunting going on like today is the first day in northwestern Wisconsin. They want to take part, get part of the, the acreage that my wife and I own, the farm. And uh, I've got three other siblings. Uh, they've got three siblings to go that don't know too much about it yet. But I'm thinking, I'm, and they want to secure it by 
by purchasing it like on a land contract and getting specific uh, acreage out of the whole farm that way. And I'm wondering if that wouldn't be a good way to, to uh, for the rest of them to inherit their land too. In well, that, uh, does that sound any? Yeah, if they purchase it, yeah, Bob, if they purchase the land now while you're still living, then you're just selling it to them uh-huh. and it's theirs. So Yeah, right, Bob. Yeah, so so that's a way that you could monetize it by because now you're going to get cash, right? But what happens uh-huh. if one of what happens if one of the other kids wants a piece of the land but doesn't have the cash or doesn't or says, "You know what? I'm just going to wait for an inheritance for it to transfer." So so I would really okay. talk to all of I them. See. On, on how it is that you want to do it. What happens if one child doesn't want any of it, then maybe the other child buys that person out. So I think you really need to have a meeting uh-huh. with, with them and, and figure out, you know, uh-huh. what, what does each person want from this land? And then the course of transacting, uh, you know, the, the, the distribution of the land, either while you're still alive by them buying pieces of it off or at your at your passing through an inheritance uh through a trust or a transfer trust, deed yeah. yeah something like that but that's really what you need to really do first is find out what they want because land and real estate are are, are actually in my opinion two of the hardest assets to pass on you know one kid wants to move into a property another kid wants to rent it out one child wants to sell it another one you know another one wants to uh uh, you know, do do whatever they want with it, right? So you've got a handful of kids on some raw uh, acreage land. They might have different ideas of it. So find out what they want to do. Yes. Yep. It, it, in relation to that, too, though, uh, we own the property completely, and we're renting it out. And then, of course, we have just taxes to, to take care of every year. And uh, the difference being... Not very much income, considering the farm is probably worth, you know, seven fifty, you know, thousand dollars. Yeah. That uh, we're just thinking, well, <laughs> if we uh, sold it to them on a land contract at a real low price, there wouldn't be any much taxes to be considered, you know, down the line as as compared to. Well, I see your point, though. I just. There's a few things going. Yeah, there's a few things going on in that. You need to find out what the kids want first, and what you and your wife want to do with it, right? Uh, really, and then the second part of it is, if you're going to sell something below market value, make sure that you run that by your tax preparer, so it's not considered a gift. Okay, because um, okay. you just can't take a million dollar property and sell it for twenty five dollars, right? Uh, right. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, wondering about. Too, exactly. Yeah. So you've got there's some gifting rules in, involved with all of that. So, Bob, I can put I can put you on hold and and we can send you out some information on all of this if you like. I'd love that. Thank you. I love yep. your program. Absolutely. I appreciate you listening, Bob, and have a great Thanksgiving. I'll place you on a quick hold, and then our Bob will pick you up and get some contact information from you. So happy Thanksgiving. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Dial us up at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Muriel on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Muriel. How are you? Hi. Good morning. I want to thank you, Larry, for your service. Uh, I really appreciate your your, um, your attitude and how you take care of everyone that calls you. My question is, my well, thank you. is 42, and you're welcome. 
My daughter is 42, and she uh, has about 120000 in 401k. And I wasn't, I didn't know what she should do at this point. Uh, does she continue to put money in her 401k, or does she start considering other other options, and what are those options? Is she still working, Muriel? Yes, she's still working. Yes, and absolutely have her put money in the 401k at, at age 42, especially if her employer is matching, you know, 3 or 5% or whatever the employer may be matching. That's fantastic because now she's buying shares today when the market's low. And the secret here is is the acquisition of shares. It's not necessarily next month's statement, but you want to get more and more shares and then as the markets push back up at some point down the road, and they will, nobody can just tell you when they will, but they will, you're, 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 she's, ha- she's in a great position now to acquire more shares, okay? So think about this. Okay. You know, last November, she put in $100, and she got five shares. You know, now she puts $100 in, and maybe she's getting eight shares, okay? And, and, and that's what it is. It's the acquisition of shares. You want to buy as many shares as you can over time. And that's why it's so hard when there's, you know, quote, unquote, blood in the streets, when the markets are down, it's, it goes opposite to your emotions. You say, I don't want to throw more money in because it might lose again next month. But no, you want to put money in when the markets are down. So tell her to continue to do this, okay? I, I had another um, program. I'm, I have questioned my mother. If you have time, my mother passed away 13 years ago, and uh, one of my brothers um, said that she left him to be power of attorney over her uh, her estate. And um, so now uh, we don't know what to do because everything has just been just like it was. That we haven't gone to probate or anything like that. And I wanted to know if you had any comments on that. Uh, so, so the the estate has not been probated in thirteen years. No, no, we, we just we just you know, um, just just left it like it was and just paid the taxes and you know. Yeah, at some like point that. you're gonna ha- at some point you're gonna have to close that out because at some point right. more people are gonna pass and you're gonna have to close that out. So, I would I would. Do it. I'd go down to the county recorder's office, to the probate uh, office down there at the courthouse, and, and tell them what's going on, and then they can help you with it, okay? Okay, okay. And I have one, one more question. My brother, I'm taking care of him. He, he's disabled right now, and he has about uh, $12,000 in the bank. And I was wondering um, what, what should I do as far as trying to help him uh, be a good steward over he is a tither. He does pay his tithe. But see if we're doing over the money that's just sitting there right now. Well, then just have him continue what he's doing. If he's tithing on his money, that's perfect. But, you know, if, okay. if that's what he has is 12000 I wouldn't put it in the markets. He might need need, okay. need that money. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, listen, well, Mario, you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for your phone call, and I appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, okay? Yes, God bless you, Larry. You too. Bye-bye. Let's go ahead and bring on Al from Alabama. Good morning, Al. How are you today? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Great. Got a question from last week. You were speaking with a caller and uh, referencing places for putting money for, um, I I say, uh, taxable 
benefits and, and getting more than what banks are paying right now. And I think you mentioned something about a bond, some type of bond or something that would pay like four, four and a quarter percent annually. Yes, sir. And I didn't get a chance to write that down. And I was wondering if you could uh, mention that again so I could uh, look into that. Sure. So right now, when you take a look at the, the Federal Reserve is, is raising interest rates, and they affect what's called the short end of the curve. So there's government bonds that are one month in length, three months in length, six months in length, one year in length, two years in length, three years in length. When the, when the Fed raises interest rates, that pushes those bond yields up. So as of the other day, uh, I don't know what it closed at Friday, actually, but you could get a one-year Treasury bond somewhere around 4.5% interest. So that means if you bought that bond, you would earn 4.5% interest on your money, and the money would be repaid back to you at the end of 12 months. Now, in the middle of, of owning this bond, Al, let's suppose that that you buy that bond today at 4.5%, and, and five months from now, interest rates have dropped, then the value of that bond, let's say you put $10,000 in, then the value of that $10,000 would shoot up because as in those bonds, as interest rates go down, the value goes up. On the other hand, if you bought that $10,000, uh, if you put 10000 in in this example, and five months from now interest rates shot up because the Fed keeps raising rates, the principal value in that treasury would drop. But we know this for a fact, that if you hold it to maturity, the one year, you get back your principal. Okay? So, so it's a great time to really take a look at doing this because we haven't had these rates like this in decades to be able to get, you know, guaranteed back by the U.S. government these types of interest rates, okay? Uh, now, now, so, so that's what we were talking about last week. And there's different okay. types. There's, uh, treasury, there's treasury notes. There's T-bills, notes, and bonds. And it just okay. depends on the length of that you want to tie your money up for. Uh, so they have like uh, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months? Um, I don't know if there's an 18-month bond, but I know there's a 12-month and a two-year. I do not believe I'm trying to visualize my sheet that I get every day, and I don't recall ever seeing an 18-month bond. So okay. it's a one-year okay. or two-year. Yeah. 12 yep. and 24 is good. And I'm locked in for – if I buy a 12-month, I'm locked in for 12. No, sir. You're not locked in. You're completely liquid. You can buy it today and sell it tomorrow. But if interest rates move – up and you sell it before it matures you could lose money okay as long as i keep it to maturity i'm good yes sir and, and if you sell it before maturity and interest rates have moved down you could make money okay so if i buy today at four and a half and 12 months from now it's at five and a half or so i get my principal back do i still get that four and a half Yes, sir. You still get this. You get you get your interest on what you bought it at at the time. Outstanding. Where do I where do I look into this and find out about the different types of bonds you're you're mentioning? So we you can uh, we can send you out some info on it and and you can buy it through us. You can buy it you know through any advisor out there if you want. Okay. So I just give you guys a call and I can purchase it through you. Yep, let me go ahead and put you on hold, and Bob will get your contact information, Al, and then you can uh, uh, 
then we'll, we'll explain to you how to buy it and where you can buy it and things like that. You can also go direct to Treasury, too. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate the phone call. Let me place you on hold. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. We're going to take a quick break. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook, I think it is. And check us out on YouTube, LarryRosenthal.tv. Uh, subscribe right there on YouTube so that you get all of our uh, uh, updates and notices and things like that. You can watch how we stream the show live from different locations across the U.S. That's right. LarryRosenthal.tv. Yep. Yep, exactly. So we'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the financial planning toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. 855-767-3123 is the number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. And if you're watching us on LarryRosenthal.tv, make sure that you subscribe. Helps us a lot and hit that little bell. That also helps get new content. So when you when we do post a show or something, you'll find out about it if you do that. So thanks for doing that. Larry. Explain that correctly, Chris. You did good. I did good. I mean, I, whatever. That's good because I blew it there. There you go. Well, at least Bob's clapping for us. Somebody appreciate it. Oh, we need help. Yep, yep. Technology. There you go. That's right. right, right. So, hey, you know, let's pick up this discussion here on bonds, right? <clears throat> you know, there, way back in the day, uh, there used to be three different asset classes, equities or stocks, fixed income or bonds, and cash, right? And now there's all kinds of asset classes. They've got them subdivided and sectored out and all this. 
But still, at the end of the day, we have to take a look at what do bonds do versus stocks. And when you buy a stock, you're actually buying an ownership position in a firm. If you own one share of XYZ stock, then you actually are a share owner of that firm. You can go vote. If you bought a bond that was issued by XYZ company or the government or a state or municipality, you're, you're, you're functionally what you're doing is you're loaning money to that entity. You're loaning money to the federal government by buying a bond of the federal government. So now we have two things. We have loanership investments and ownership investments, okay? And the key with investing is long-term to have your money outpace three things, taxes, inflation, and fees. So we have to step back for a moment and say, okay, well, well, historically, what outpaces those three things? And without a doubt, it's, it's equities, it's ownership, it's stock. Bonds, on the other hand, do not traditionally. The primary investment objective of bonds is to deliver current income today, and growth is secondary. Now, we have a unique scenario in bonds right now because the broader bond market has been hit pretty hard this year. It's down 14, 16, 17 percent, okay? So now there's an opportunity because rates have gone up so much that the bond prices have dropped so much. Now's an opportunity to take a look at buying some of these bonds in the hopes that maybe in the next year or two, rates might start to track down. And then all of a sudden you get that opposite effect where you can get rates dropping and the price of these duration risk bonds go up. So, but remember this though, we have to keep our eye on the bigger picture of your portfolios. You don't want to rush in and buy all these bonds. You want to buy some in, in, in you know, uh, an allocation of your portfolio. Maybe it's 10, 20, 30, 40%, whatever it may be. Because long-term, you still need to have money to outpace taxes, inflation, and fees. And bonds traditionally do not do that because, again, the primary investment objective of bonds is current income. The deliverance of income, growth is secondary, whereas in equities, the primary investment objective in most of them is growth. The deliverance of, of, of income for most growth stocks is not there. Okay, a little bit of dividend, but not, not, that's not the main focus of a lot of stocks. So you have to have a balance mix, and you have to sit back and say, okay, aggregately with all of the investments, you know, my, even my bank account, my bonds, my stocks, my ETFs, my 401Ks, whatever it may be, are we producing the opportunity long-term to outpace taxes and inflation and fees? Because you, you cannot get stuck in loanership dollars in bonds because you're not going to make it. You won't keep pace with taxes and inflation, right? You just won't. So understand the difference. There's a relationship there, and there are times, there are times in the economy that you want to overweight stocks and underweight bonds. There are times in the economy when you want to underweight uh, stocks and overweight bonds. Now, there are times in the economy when you buy certain types of bonds and stay away from others, and, and vice versa, just like in stocks. So understand how all these things work, and when you sit down and you're speaking with an advisor, with a financial planner, wealth manager, you need to ask these questions. Explain to me, how do you go about 
de- deciphering where you're going to put the money, what's going on in the equity markets and in the stock market, I mean in the bond markets. And all of this has to aggregately produce for you a rate of return that's going to keep pace with taxes and inflation for yourself down the road. So understand there is a difference between loanership and ownership dollars. There's nothing wrong with either. We need to own both, okay, but understand what the objectives are long term as far as all that goes. So, so you know, it's, it's, it's important because there's all kinds of talk out there on, on what bonds to buy now and things like that and, and should we buy a bond ETF, a bond mutual fund, or individual bonds from corporations? What should we buy, municipal bonds, triple debt tax-free bonds, all different types of scenarios, right? There's a lot of different bonds out there. Matter of fact, the bond market, I think, is like 17 times larger than the stock market. Okay, so there's a lot of money in bonds out there floating around. So understand wow. the difference between the types of bonds. It's very important. I did not know that. That's a, that's a bit of a surprise to me that that would be so popular. Well, the bond market is considered the parents, and the stock market's considered the teenage kids, Chris. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Driving with a pedal to the metal kind of thing. I guess. Sometimes, yep, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so, so, yeah. So, hey, and there's also been a lot of talk, too, about one of your largest financial decisions. In, in your life, and, and, and that is your pension selection, buying a home or not, starting a business or not, or claiming Social Security, when to claim Social Security. And so I've seen this for, for many, many years in, in the financial press. I've, I've talked about it. I've written on it. Um, I, I've taught it in many seminars and things. When to take Social Security. And first of all, everyone who's eligible for Social Security has to run a financial plan with different types of scenarios of claiming your Social Security in it. But here's the big question. That big question always happens with people is, hey, Larry, you know, I'm 62 and I'm going to retire. My normal retirement age might be 66, but I want to retire now. What should I do with my Social Security? Because, you know, Aunt Millie tells me, wait and take it. And Uncle Ben says, wait till you're 70 and take it. What should I do? And, and, you know, I've been doing this, this for, for 28 years, and we always run it through a financial plan. And just about every single time that we look at somebody taking Social Security at 62 versus 66 or 70 or something like that, it's better for them long run to take it earlier. And here's why. Because if you're going to retire at 62 and you, take, and, and you decide not to take Social Security, but now you've got your income and your expenses each month, and let's suppose you have to reach in and pull $2,000 a month out of your investments in order to make ends meet each month, right? So, so you're deciding not to take Social Security, and you're going to spend down two grand a month of your own savings and investments. But on the other hand, Social Security says, hey, we'll give you two grand a month for your benefit. Or maybe we'll give you $1,500 a month for your benefit. Or maybe we'll give you $1,000 a month for your benefit, right? That's just that much money less that you have to spend down on your own dollars. You still got to pay taxes on that, though, if you're working, right? You're going to have to pay taxes. Well, if you're working, here's the deal. I said you're retired. But if you're Uh, working and uh, you're 62, most likely you don't want to take Social Security. This is a little bit of a difference there. You'll cap it out. Yeah, if, if you're making more than about 19000 a year, you have to pay back your Social Security. So that's a no-no, so yeah. don't do that. Okay. But if you're not working, then you want to consider this because 
if you think about it, if you pass away, you can't pass Social Security on to your heirs, no, you can't. right? No. But you can pass your assets on to your heirs. So if Social Security is going to give you $1,000 a month, and you're saying, nope, hold on to it so that down the road I can get $1,350 a month in, in seven years or whatever it might be, I'm going to spend $1,000 of my own money. When you do the math without any interest earnings, your break-even point is around 79, 80 years old. And then if you say, well, what happens if I took the money and I didn't spend it and blah, 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 and all this stuff, and I invested it and blah, 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 how much would it go? It takes your break-even point even further down the road. But my point is this, is do it in a financial plan. We run out of, we'll, we'll run out a financial plan for clients that says, hey, take it at 62. Don't take it at 62 and wait. And watch what happens in the, in the difference in your cash flow each year and in the assets that you have to be able to pass on down the road. It's amazing how the calculation usually, most of the time, comes out, not 100% of the time, okay, but very close to it, that you should take it earlier. That's my point, is understand the real ins and outs of the math on taking Social Security earlier or not taking it earlier. You have to understand this and, and really what's at risk here. So a question, question I have for you right off the bat then is how do you know when your, uh, your full retirement age is, when you're ready to retire? You, you, oh, it's, it, you can just Google it, Chris. You just Google right up full retirement age Social Security, and it lists it out. Some people at 66, 66 in one month, 66 in two months. It depends mm-hmm. on the year you were born. So it's usually around the 66. Right? Yours is 67. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you know this. Okay. I know this. I know how old you are. Okay. Yours is 67. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe with a grace. So, so 67, is, 67 is your normal full <laughs> retirement age. Now, when you get to your full retirement age, in, your, in this case of 67, okay, you can take your full Social Security benefit and still continue to work and make an unlimited amount of money. Hmm. It's only if you, if you claim Social Security before your full retirement age. Since yours is 67, if you decide at 65, hey, I'm going to take Social Security and still keep working, then if you're making more than that threshold of about 19000 a year, paying it back. then you're going to have to start paying it back, yeah, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so they incentivize you to hold off and wait to your full retirement age or fully retire out. And I've seen some people, too, some very interesting financial plans you can run with this because, I've, you know, people get down the road and they go, you know what, get me out of this stress job. How did I get out of it? And, and I've seen people, you know, punch out at 62, 63, 64 before their full retirement age and go get a part-time job somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, at a hardware store, at a library, or or do some small amount of consulting. Just so they're for, under the nineteen thousand. So they're under the nineteen thousand. Yeah, so they're right. they're getting Social Security and they're getting a part time income, mm-hmm. and they're basically doubling up their Social Security and they're having fun with it. That makes sense. You know, yeah. because it, you know when when we're when we're down the road and around the corner, you know, are we getting? And I always tell this to people: Are you getting the value out of life, given? given your, your, your assets that you have, you know? Are, are you going to sit there and just save, 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 save and, until all of a sudden one day you go, well, we've saved up a lot of money, but, you know, we're 94 years old and we can't do much with it, right? You know, so there, there has to be a mixture. There has to be a balanced equation, and only you know what that is, between 
you know, lifestyle and, and saving and, and, okay, well, let's go get pizza Friday night, but we're having cheese. We're not putting any pepperonis on it, right, because it's, you know, it's an extra $2. <laughs> yeah. You know, where do you draw the line in all of that, right? And, and, not at you know, pepperonis. Not at pepperonis. Right? Not in pepperonis. You've got to have pepperonis. That's exactly. Right. So, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's stuff like that that you have to really give your balanced mixture to. I, I, was, I was explaining things like this to, to a client earlier uh, last week, and we were reviewing their financial plan. And, and one of the things that, that, we, that we looked at doing was I hit this button that calculates it for us really quick, which is max retirement spending. You know, they had a budget, I forget what it was, 80, 82000 a year that they needed or something. So they got some pension, Social Security, and then, and then pulled some money out of savings and investments. They needed 82000 a year. And, and they're like, well, okay, so we got to stick right to that. And I'm going, no, you don't. Watch this. And I hit a calculation real quick, and in about, you know, 15 seconds later, it says, well, you can spend as much as, you know, 147000 a year and still not run out of money by the time you're 93. Okay, but you are spending it down. But eighty-two thousand, you're still growing your assets. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to understand sort of what we call bookends in our in our office. You know, put the bookends on spending. Show someone what they want to accomplish as far as their lifestyle goes, and then show them what they can spend each year without running out of money. Because are we getting the value? Do you want to give an extra donation this year to, the, to, to your church or to a mission program or things like that? You know, oh, oh don't be so afraid. You know, you've got to get the value out of life that these assets that, that you've been blessed with. You know, and, and the first, first place is, is uh, you know, giving it to the Lord. You know, I Amen. mean, yeah. in Ecclesiastes 5.10, it says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless, right? Mm-hmm. You're never going to be satisfied. Right. So understand our role of stewardship. What is our role? You know, our role is stewardship. God's blessed, blessed you, blessed us with different types of assets, some more, some less. But we've got to be good stewards with it. In other words, how are we utilizing these assets for the Lord's kingdom? Right. Missions, teaching, whatever it may be, however it is that you come up with it. You know, those types of scenarios there. So get the value out of it. So and you can go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and check out our video on the front page. That's how you build a financial plan. We're going to take a quick break here on this almost Thanksgiving weekend. I guess it's Thanksgiving week, not weekend just yet. Yeah, so give us a ring this morning. We've got about 10 minutes left in the show. Any questions at all, it's Open Mic Saturday. Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. 855-767-3123. 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However... Can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives.
you've seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to The Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. I've got some time left for you to make that phone call, 855-ROSE-123. We'll talk to Larry Rosenthal here in studio with us, Larry. So, Chris, remember the old movies when people would go down to the river? Down to the river. All the, they had all their clothes, and they got this washboard out, and they scrubbed <laughs> it against this washboard, and they got all the mud and the dirt and the stains out and everything like that. Well, since you know how old I am, I can tell you that we did that when we were kids, you know? Okay, there you go. And then all of a sudden, somebody invented what? The washing machine. Well, they invented that little one washer first where you had the little the little handle on it. A little crank. A little crank, and you crank yeah. it close. Yeah. That. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Okay. And now right. we got full-blown washing machines, dryers. Oh, yeah. Amazing right? stuff. Yep. Yep. We also have something called the wash rule. Oh, okay. That we need to learn about. The I mean, wash rule. What usually, is the that, wash rule? It usually comes from my wife when she tells us we have to wash them. You know, a certain time of day, and I've got to do it myself, and she can't, you know, be involved with that. Oh, so. is that what the wash rule is? That's the wash rule. Oh, okay, okay. Huh. Well, you're I not wonder, talking about that. I wonder also. how I can make that work in my household. <laughs> 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 All right, so so uh, the wash rule, you know, if you buy a stock and you put, let's say, $50,000 into a stock, and later it's worth $70,000, and you sell it, what happens? If it's in a non-IRA account, you have to pay tax. You have to pay a capital gain tax on that, right? Okay, on that $20,000 of gain. But what happens if you put that $50,000 into a stock and later it's worth $40,000 and you sell it? Now what happens? You lost ten grand, and if you've held it for longer than 12 months, that's a $10,000 capital loss that goes on your tax return okay so the the markets are down still for the year and a lot of people are starting to talk about this wash rule okay and there's some gray areas in this and I want to talk about this because if you bought XYZ stock at $50,000 and now it's worth $40,000 and you sell it and you buy ABC stock you can claim that tax deduction on your tax return. But if you sell XYZ stock and then within 30 days later you buy XYZ stock back, yeah, that's the wash rule. Yep. That's the wash rule. You don't get your tax deduction for right, it. Right. But what happens if I sold mutual fund ABC and bought mutual fund XYZ? And both mutual funds go after the same stuff. What happens? Oh, then? interesting. Well, how would what they know? What happens if both mutual funds have more than seventy percent of the same like-kind investments inside of it? Well, but that's you get hit with the wash rule. Do you? Yes, you do. Because they're always some changing the, those investments, some, right? This is some of the gray area. Yes, wow. but they're going after the same benchmarks, right? So there's a whole bunch of attributes, I guess you could call it, or or credits and debits maybe when you look at the wash rule on this. So be careful. Um, I've worked with clients this year and their CPAs and saying to their CPA, hey, on this specific transaction, how do you interpret the wash rule? 
okay? And on this specific, trans- specific transaction over here, how do you interpret the wash rule? Okay, so there's some very interesting things when, you, when it takes a look at the wash rule and trying to do that. Because it's great. You know, if you can sell something, let's say in, in, in mid-cap growth position and buy something in mid-cap growth position, okay? Well, here's the deal. The risk is you sell something and you wait 30 days mm-hmm. and the stock market goes up. And now you've missed that growth, right? You've missed that rebound. So if you sell something, you want to try to stay in the same arena, maybe the same sandbox or similar to the same sandbox. So, so if you sold something in mid-cap value and maybe bought something in small-cap value, it's two different asset classes. That qualifies. You can do that. You don't get hit with the wash rule on it. Okay? So you've got to really take a look at it. Are you doesn't it have some- to be the exact same stock, though? That's in the- if it's stock and you sell the same buy it within 30 days you get hit with a wash rule yeah but if it's you're selling abc stock and buying xyz stock yeah. the same day no 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 yeah. issue on that yeah but, but it gets tricky funds, when you I mean, it gets tricky when you're looking at mutual funds or etfs mm-hmm. and different things of that nature so you want to make sure that you understand the wash rule because booking an asset of a loss on your tax return and still staying invested is a, is is sometimes a pretty decent move. <clears throat> Let me explain why. Because at some point down the road, let's suppose you sold ABC stock today and you harvested a $10,000 loss and you bought XYZ stock the same day. And now the stock market goes back up again. So you get all your growth back. It's just in a different stock. Mm-hmm. But you've placed an asset on your tax return, right? You've now, got a, you've now booked a $10,000 loss on your tax return. Years down the road, maybe one year, three years, eight years, whatever it is, at some point you decide, well, Chris does need that turkey smoker. I'm going to go buy that turkey ah. smoker for Chris, okay? Yeah. And you sell something out, and you have a, a gain, let's say, of $5,000. You've got $10,000 sitting on your tax return. You can offset that gain down the road for tax-free for yourself at a future at a future sale what is the wash rule length of time is there is like a 30 days 30 days okay yep so when you in this example here when you if you were to book a ten thousand dollar loss on your tax return and have no corresponding gains then each year you can carry three thousand dollars a year of that ten thousand off on your tax return until it fill until it expires but let's suppose the first year you have no gains so now the next year you've got seven thousand sitting there and then you sell something at a four thousand dollar gain you could use four thousand of that seven right there okay you can go over the three and you can carry this on until it's until it's expired cool i guess so understand this because it's going to add benefit to you down the road the risk is selling xyz stock and sitting there waiting for 30 days right. because you're emotionally tied to it and you have to buy it back, what happens if it goes back up 8%? Yeah. You know? Like it, like things did last week, okay? What, what, what happens <laughs> if, if – or the week ago? You know, what happens if that's the case? Then you're never going to make that, that return back up again. Yeah. So that's the risk. So that's why you have to have a 30-day rule or sell it to something that's dissimilar in, in nature. Well, I guess the question I had when you talked about – I understand the stock piece of the wash rule, but when it comes to the um, – the actual mutual funds and things of that nature, are they just have to be the? How do they? How do they know the investments? I mean, is it just in the same sector? 
Well, you, you look at different sectors. You look at something that's either actively managed or passively managed. You look at, you look at the benchmarks they go against, and you look at the, the, the similar holdings inside of it. There's, that's there's how the wash rule, though. How, would, how do they look at that is what I'm saying. Is the IRS looking at the, at the exact same stock within that mutual fund, or what are they looking so at? So it's not the IRS. It's the custodian who's holding the money that's, uh, that's actually looking at it, okay? okay? That's the ones that are looking at it for you. So, so yeah, so you want to make sure that you're, you're adhering to it all. Got it. So that you don't get punched with that wash rule. Yep, okay. makes sense. You know, and there's 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 IRS guidelines on it, but some things are a little gray. So sort of stay out of the gray area, if you will. Okay, <laughs> and just make sure you make a change. Okay, there <laughs> then there's go. no question. So so, but it can be a benefit for yourself, you know, down the road. So it is important. Hey, if you want any information on the wash rule out there, again, this does not apply to any qualified assets. Qualified assets like IRAs, 401ks, government TSP program, nothing like that. It applies to non-IRA assets, non-qualified assets, trust accounts, if you will, too. You know, so so that's what it all applies to, and and it is it is a good opportunity to to, to book some of these on your on your tax return. Uh, for for future down the road, so nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, if you want information on it, be happy to to give it to you. Just give us a ring eight five five Rose one two three, or go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, dot com, and then you can go ahead and and just uh, shoot us off an email and request it. Matter of fact, when you're there, go ahead and follow us on Facebook and sign up for our our monthly newsletter and our weekly. We send out a weekly market commentary, and sometimes when the market gets crazy in a single day. We'll send something out that day as well. So if you we want do to webinars get, uh, on occasion too, just to kind of yep, we do do webinars as well, mm-hmm. and we're going to be uh, uh, you know probably kicking one off here in the beginning of December or so. So stay tuned, stay tuned for that. And you know, I want to make sure that we're getting a proper economic data. You know, not a, we're you know the next time the Fed meets is December twelfth and thirteenth, and right before that we'll have the inflation numbers for November. So I'm kind of waiting on more more uh, you know current economic data. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with it also, we can give better guidance and, and things of that nature there. But we do, we do a lot of educational webinars. You can go look at our, our, our past ones uh, on the website or, or just you know go there and just say, hey, put me on the list. I'd be happy to, to get them. We have people from all over the country on these. There's, there's no cost for them, and we want to continue to deliver uh, you know, proper, sound education, uh, financial planning you know, from a biblical perspective, uh, education for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got some more subject here, Chris, that I want to talk about today. Just so much to talk about in the financial press these days, without a doubt. Yeah, but I know you, we only got a minute or so yeah. left in the show. So let's just talk a little bit before I jump into, well, actually, next week we're going to be talking about the starting blocks of a financial, of, of an estate plan. What are the first things that you can do for an estate plan to be developed? You know, and you've got to take inventory. That's really what you need to do is take some inventory on that. So we're going to be going over that next week as well as how to weather market downturns. So stay tuned for us next Saturday for another session of Making Money Sense. Even though it is Thanksgiving weekend, Chris is going to make us work again. Uh, oh, okay. okay. All right. It's my fault. I know. Yep. There you go. There you go. So, <laughs> hey, everybody, have a wonderful week this week, Thanksgiving weekend or Thanksgiving week. Hope you have a great holiday. Uh, you know, if you have any questions during the week, give us a call, 855-ROSE-123, or go to the website, LarryRosenthal.com. Shoot us off an email. So for Bob in the back here answering the phones, great job today, Bob. And for Chris McKay, always, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.